The time has come for the prophesied end time revival. God is gathering his army from all over the world, from Africa, Asia, North America, South America, Europe. God is gathering his army from all around the world. Join us as God gathers and mobilizes his army, even for the prophesied end time revival. God bless you, even as you understand to today's message. God will bless you, God will bless you. We give you all the glory, we give you all the honor, we give you all the adoration. Thank you, Master Jesus. Thank you, Master Jesus. I welcome us all once again to another great time in the presence of the Almighty. Um, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to be ministering to us powerfully, even tonight in the name of Jesus. Tonight we are going to be looking at um, the price for the anointing. The price for the anointing. Last week the Spirit of the Lord led us to look at the anointing. We looked at what the anointing is. What exactly the anointing is. Much more than the uh, the beauty of uh, of, of, of the power of the presence, the power of the anointing, the pushing people or the people falling under the anointing, people standing under the anointing, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, healing and the likes. What exactly is the anointing? What was the purpose? What is the purpose of the anointing? What does it stand for? You know, and how how, 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 is, how does it work? How does it operate? Now, today, we want to go further into that. We want to understand what is the price for the anointing? What is the price for the anointing. What is the price for the anointing? That's we are going to be looking at the part two of the anointing. Last we looked at the purpose of the anointing. Today we want to look at the price for the anointing. The price for the anointing. So we said the anointing, you no, know, uh, is God's audacity placed upon a man. If you listen to last week's message, and you understood what God was trying to say last week, you will come to understand that the anointing is the audacity of God that is placed upon a man so that the man can speak for God and cause men to listen. He is the audacity of God placed upon a man, the audacity of a man to speak for God and cause men to listen to him. See, it is not every man that will speak and men will listen. It is not every man. You know, there are many people saying different things. But, you know, actually when you come to Facebook or you come to uh, WhatsApp statuses, you will see many people give advices. In fact, Facebook and WhatsApp statuses are, are giving people opportunity to become overnight preachers. And you see many people say many things. But why is it that when um, a preacher like a Daddy Oedepo or Daddy uh, Adeboye says something, that thing becomes something canon everywhere where everybody wants to listen to. Why is that it becomes something that every man is interested in? It is because there is an anointing of God that has caused that has been put upon them and has given them the audacity to speak and has given them uh, and has given them the capacity to speak so that men will want to listen to them. So the anointing is anything that God puts upon you to cause 
you to have audacity to speak. Is there anything that God places upon you that causes men to want to run to you, to hear you, whatever you want to say about a topic? To, to come and hear you whatever way you want to, 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 to lead them or direct them. They want to hear your voice on a particular topic. They want to hear your voice on a particular message. They want to hear what you are trying to say. Oh, for those yet in who chose you, I have anointed you for my own purposes, said the Lord. Oh, I am giving you a new chance. I'm giving you a new chance. Because the time has come for me to anoint you to anoint you and put more anointing upon you. Because the season has come for revival. I am raising men and sending them to the corners of the earth. I'm raising men and sending men to the corners of the earth. It is time to set men in place. It is time to set men in place. It is no longer time to just sit back and hear about the messages of God. It is time to begin to rise up and to begin to be in position for revival. For revival is now here and I'm looking for men to anoint. Yes, I've anointed you before, but it is time to receive the anointing for your calling. It is time to receive the anointing for your calling. It is time to receive the anointing for your calling. Would you make yourself available? For it is time. Would you put yourself in position that I may put upon you the oil of gladness. Say the Lord of hosts. This is the time for the anointing. This is the time for the anointing. This is the time for the anointing. Say the Lord of hosts. This is the time for the anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that word. And the Lord is saying, let me, let me go back to what God was saying in the beginning, that the anointing is the audacity God, you know, is putting upon you, upon a man, so that the man can speak for him. Why I'm saying this is because the scope of the anointing is increasing. Most of the time, what we understand by the anointing is... Um, uh, when somebody carries a kind of presence, you know, such that in the church congregation, you know, uh, they, they begin to blow the anointing upon people, people fall down, they lay hands on the sick, the sick are ill, they cast out demons, or they begin to operate in the world of knowledge, or they give prophecy of the future. You know, the anointing of God is much more than that, because now God, that God is sending men to other uh, mountains, aside from the mountain of the church, you know, we have the mountain of education, the mountain of family, the mountain of... Uh, of, 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 of business, of nothing of government, we need to begin to understand exactly what the anointing looks like. Because when you begin to see the anointing as just an anointing, and just begin to see it as just blowing under the anointing. What if God is sending you to the business mountain? How are you going to be able to appropriate the anointing, the business anointing? How are you going to be able to appropriate the anointing when you enter into politics? Because definitely you are not going to be on the pulpit, you are not going to be blowing people under the anointing to fall down. The anointing is going to be operating differently. But you need to understand that the anointing is that which gives you the audacity to speak and cause men to listen to you. Without the anointing, there is no way you can speak for God. Your words will just be flesh. The Bible says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirits 
and their life. There is no way you can speak God words. There is no way you can do God actions. There is no way you can you can cause God influence. All the influence that you that that you can only bring will be in the flesh. The, and Bible says that that that, that uh, uh, um, those kind of words will be what we call flesh, and that the flesh profited nothing. You only say that you speak. In church, for example, if it was a pulpit ministry, without the anointing, you will speak and you discover that your words are dry. Nobody wants to hear you. People are even sleeping. Your words do not carry the kind of grace. It does not carry the kind of anointing that you think it carries. You know, you, you speak and people are like, please just be fast. You know, it does not carry the strength. It does not carry the power. It does not carry the capacity. It does not carry that audacity. They are not God words. They are not spirit words. You know, but the anointing is such that it gives you the ability, such that whether you are speaking behind the pulpit or you are in politics and you give directives, or you are in education and you 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 give directives or you give policies, your policies become God actions. They become spirit actions. They become actions directed from the realm of the spirit in order to cause you to be able to prevail upon the mindset, upon the, 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 the um, how would I put it now, upon the capacity, upon the, 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 the capacity, the, 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 um, the thinking, yes, the thinking and the mindset, and the, the because the way a man thinks, you know, your mindset determines what you believe. What you believe determines your actions. Your actions determine your behavior. Your behavior is what determines your your, uh, your how you begin to act in life. Uh, how you how, why you act the way you do. So everything begins from the belief. Bible says, uh, whatsoever a man thinketh. He said, as a man thinks, so is he. So everything begins from your mindset. Everything begins from how you think. What is your belief system? What do you believe about something? And so your belief system is governed by these seven mountains, these seven areas of society. Education has a long way in causing you to, uh, in affecting the way you think, what you believe. Where you are schooled, what, uh, where you are schooled, you know, uh, the, your background, it affects your way of thinking. It affects your way of thinking. Your, 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 um, uh, the mountain of, uh, of art and entertainment, the social media, it affects your way of thinking. Uh, the music you're listening to, it affects your, your way of thinking. If you listen to godly music, you know, you think more of God. You want to follow more of God. <clears throat> you'll be much and more in the presence of God. You'll be able to hear God more clearly. Your spirit will be more in tune with the spirit. You will be able to, to connect to the, uh, to, the, to the whispers of the spirit at every second. You will know the impressions of the spirit without even the Holy Spirit having to speak loudly to you. But if you're always listening to worldly songs, you would only be motivated by the things that motivate the singers of the song. If the singers are immoral, you'll be motivated by immorality. You will not see anything wrong in it. It's not like you are trying to be immoral, but the spirit of the song, you just find it, you, 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 that you will not feel that there's anything wrong with it anymore because it will just be natural. Why? The spirit of the song, you know, has a way of peeping into your, into your soul. And before you know it, you begin to feel like it is all right. 
your actors, the people that you watch, celebrities generally, the success they have gives them authority. They put them on the on the mountain of that entertainment. And so from there, they command the way you think, they command the way you feel. You know, it is what your actors say that you believe. You know, it is the life that they present to you that you copy. Oh, God is speaking again to me. He wants to anoint men. 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 In my vision, I'm seeing God placing men. Just like in the prophecy, I'm seeing God placing men in different places in this end time. And he wants to pour down his spirit upon each and every one of us in different places, in different mountains. For so long, we have had men speaking on all these different mountains, affecting our belief system. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. He says, out of the heart, I drawn the issues of life from your heart is where you begin to determine how you begin to flow in other issues of life. And God is saying that he wants to remove this man from these seven mountains. From these mountains, the mountain of business, he wants to remove the people that Satan has placed on those mountains. The people that are deciding how things should be. The people that when they speak, they carry influence and they command. And God is saying that he wants to give us that influence. Anointing is influence. He wants to give you that anointing. Not necessarily that you will sit on the pulpit and blowing upon men, but he wants to give you audacity. He wants to put an ability upon you so that by the time you get to that mountain, you have the capacity to speak. He wants to put you upon a political mountain. He wants to put you upon the mountain of business. He wants to put you in the mountain of family to get strength, to have authority so that by the time you speak, people want to know what you are saying. God wants to give you influence, whatever gives you influence, authority in the mountain to speak so that you have the ability to speak and men will listen to you. It's called the anointing. And God is saying he wants to set you in place. Oh, marashekete bababa. Hey, for the hand of the Lord is upon you. Yekete akalabababa. To lift you into that place. Yekanaba of destiny. That you can fulfill the assignment that the Lord wants for you. He's putting a mantle upon you. Hey, shakala kalabababa. To give you the ability to influence and order events according to the ways of God. To draw men into his kingdom. Oh, marashekete brabaya. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I'm remembering the vision that God showed me about the future. As the Lord took me into the future, into the year 2056, and I saw in that future, I was taken to the future, and I saw how God placed men, as I'm seeing now in this other vision, I'm seeing how God has placed, placed men on the seven different mountains in different areas in society. And I saw as how God has placed this end-time army everywhere. And I saw as this end-time army carried influence with them. So that when they spoke or when they made actions, I saw thousands of souls coming into the kingdom per week. God gave them so much influence as they were able to draw souls into the kingdom. That's what God showed me was happening in the year 2056. And this is the year 2022. God is saying he wants us to be in position. As at that time, I saw the revival was already around 40% loading. And if we are able to draw people uh, uh, thousands by the week, in revival, 
in our in our different spheres that God is sending us to. Imagine what we, what the revival will turn to look like when the revival gets to hundred percent. Marasha katalaba, ekelebra kalaba yababababa. And God is saying now, in 2022, that He wants to begin to place men in those areas, in those in those seven mountains, or at the peak of the mountains, God wants to place us there. He wants to release that anointing. So the question that God is giving, uh, is, is asking tonight, is that are, where have you placed yourself in a position where God can pour the anointing upon you? Have you put yourself in a position where God can, can, can release the audacity to speak? audacity to influence audacity to cause men to listen to you men don't listen to men just by listening no, by, 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 by chance it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen that you come to a place where men just listen to you just, by, just like that no nothing happens by chance in this life, on this earth, nothing happens by chance. You would have heard that everything is controlled from the spirit realm. Either the kingdom of darkness raises you up to that peak, or it is the spirit of God that raises you up. And if you are going to bring a revival, then you need to be able to connect to the spirit of God to raise you up, to give you audacity, to be able to influence the earth for him. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel. If you are going to be able to preach the gospel, you are going to preach your message and you are going to enter the world to influence the world and draw the world into the kingdom of God, you need audacity to speak. You need the anointing. Any man that is going to be speaking in the area of business, if you are going to be talking about financial prosperity, you must, you must, you must have had success in the area of financial prosperity. You must have audacity to speak in that realm. You must, or else nobody will listen to you. Look at Bishop Oyedepo, who is called in the area of financial prosperity. Do you think anybody will listen to him if he has not had considerable success in the realm of financial? Prosperity, success is very important. If you are going to be able to have audacity to speak in the mountain that God is going to, to going to cause you to speak, because from that mountain that God is going to cause you to speak from, you need to develop audacity. And audacity comes from success in that mountain. Success can come in different dimensions. So it can come in different ways. But that success that you will have will be, will be, will be especially in the area of the assignment that God is calling you to in the area that God is calling you to speak from. But you need to carry audacity. And it is the anointing that gives you audacity to speak in that realm that God is calling you to speak from. I want us to quickly look at the book of Acts chapter, chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7. Acts chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7. Acts chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So Philip had a message. He was preaching Christ, which is what everybody is called to do. In, then look at what happened. He said, And the people with one accord 
everybody with what I call, they gave it unto those things which Philip spake. Why? They said they were hearing and they were seeing the miracles which he did. He said, For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that you are lame were healed. Look at verse 6. He said, And the people with one accord gave it. So he had he was preaching the preaching Christ, but his words were spirit words. Why? Because he had the audacity. He had the audacity to speak. And you can see the audacity came from what? He said the people gave it. They listened to him because of what? Because they had and they saw the miracles which he did. There was something to hear, there was something to see. So until there is something to hear, until there is something to see, until there is evidence following you. Nobody wants to listen to you. Before you can have audacity to speak, there must be something that the anointing must put in your life. There's an audacity that God must place upon your life. Or else, you will be wasting your time. Or else, you will not be able to preach. Or else, there is nothing you will be able to do. Reketabayabakalaba. Or else, nobody will listen to you. But the anointing gives you the audacity. The audacity. The audacity. And as I see in my vision now, the Lord is saying that would you put yourself in a position where you can be able to connect to that anointing. Where you'll be able to connect to that anointing because you see there is a catch. There is a price for this anointing. This anointing does not just come like that. Because you, you know, this anointing that does not just, it, does, it doesn't just come like that. There is a price for the anointing of God. There is a price for the glory of God. And God is saying, would you place yourself in that position? Would you, would you be positioned? Because the only way to place yourself in that position is to connect to God. Is to connect to the price. To pay the price so that God will be able to pour down the anointing of the Spirit upon you. And you'll be able to fulfill the assignment of God for your generation. How will you be able to fulfill this assignment? Unless you connect to the price. Unless you connect to the price. Unless you connect to the price. And what is this price? I want us to look at the scripture. I want to look at the book of um, Psalm chapter 89. Psalms 89, verse 20. Psalms 89, verse 20. Psalms 89, verse 20. He says, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. I have found. So David was found. There is something that God is looking for. Before God anoints a man. He said, I have found David my servant. There is a price a man must pay. God finds a man. God seeks for the man. 
is it that God did, is God looking for David? No. God can see everyone. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows where everybody is. He knows his presence. He can see. But when, when God, God is now saying, I've found my David my servant. As if you are looking for him. No. It is because there is something special that God is looking for. And because David paid the price, what did God say? He said, I have found David my servant. I have found David my servant. He said, with my holy oil have I anointed him. So God has to find you before he can place an anointing upon you. If he does not find you, the anointing cannot come upon your head. If he does not find you, the anointing cannot come up because there is a price to pay for the anointing. There is a position a man must place himself if the anointing of God is going to touch his head, if it's going to be useful in this generation, if it's going to be fruitful in this generation, if God is going to be able to pour the oil of God upon his life and is going to be useful by God to be able to wreck havoc in the kingdom of darkness and bring revival to his generation. Let's open to the book of Psalms chapter 78. 78 from verse 70 to verse 72. I want to show you something. He said he chose David. You see again, he said he chose David. So when you read in Psalm 89, he said he found David. Yeah, he's saying it again. He said he chose David. Why did God choose him? He said he chose David, also a servant, and took him from where? The sheepfold. From following the eels, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. Why? He said, he said so. David fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So there is something that God saw. The integrity of David's heart. That is the position that God is looking for. <laughs> that is the position that God is looking for. Without this position, God cannot pour the anointing upon you. Without this position, God cannot release his anointing upon a man. Without this position, God cannot commit his power, his grace upon you. Let us look at the book of Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24 from verse 1. I will read to um, from verse 1 to verse 6. It said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world. Okay, let me start from verse 3 instead. It said, Who shall ascend? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall God put on that mountain? The hill here talks about the mountain of God. We are talking about the seven mountains. Who will God place on his mountain? He said, or who shall stand in his holy place? As if to represent him. Verse 4, he said, he that had clean hands. There is a condition. He said, David fed them according to the integrity of his hands. He said, he that had clean hands. And a pure heart. He said, Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity? 
who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He said, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. He said, this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. He that hath a clean hands and a pure heart. He said, David led them according to the integrity of his heart. Let us quickly look at the book again of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. No, verse, uh, verse 2 or verse 22. Um, okay, verse uh, 9, sorry. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. He said, Thou hast loved righteousness. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God... There is a therefore there. He said, because you have loved righteousness and you ate iniquity. You ate sin. He said, therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Above thy fellows. So, this oil of gladness cannot come upon a man who God has not satisfied. Who God cannot justify. Who God cannot see the righteousness in him. Let me go a bit further. Let's look at the book of Hebrews chapter 5 from verses... Um, Hebrews chapter 5, from verses, uh, let me just read from verse 8. Talking about Jesus, he said, Though he were a son, capital S, though he were a son, he said, Yet lend he obedience by the things which he suffered. So, number one, we need to understand that it is righteousness. Walking in righteousness that qualifies God, qualifies you. He said, if a man, Timothy chapter 2, uh, is it first Timothy or second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, I'll go to that scriptures that says that if a man purges himself, he will become a vessel unto honor. So you are seeing here again in Hebrews chapter 5. He said, though we are a son, yet lend he obedience by the things which he suffered. Your life, you know, that's the second point here. Number one is that God is looking for righteousness. He spoke of David, he said, he led in the integrity of his heart. He said, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? He said, these have clean hands and a pure heart. And then in Hebrews chapter 5, he's now saying that that pure heart does not just come like that. He said, though he be a son, yet learned in obedience. So that life is learned. Obedience is learned. Righteousness is learned. He said, yet learned in obedience by the things which he suffered. So God introduces sufferings into the life of a man. He said, and being made perfect, verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So, through sufferings, he said, he became perfect. And being made perfect, because he was perfect, God then made him the author of our eternal salvation. So, Jesus did not become the author of salvation. He was not appointed 
He was not anointed. Until God looked at him and said that this guy is perfect. This guy is capable. On the, in the Jordan River, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then what happened? The Spirit of the, of, the, of, the, of the Lord in the form of a dove came upon him. Let me take you to 1 Peter chapter 4. Because I'm trying to show you a point here. That the glory of God does not come on living men. The glory of God comes upon dead men. Men who are dead to sin. Men who have died. Men who have been taken through death. You don't just come and say you are dead to sin. Even though it's a condition of God that you must carry righteousness within you. This righteousness is put there by God himself. So before God can place an anointing upon you, he plays an anointing of death. Because there are two mantles that was put upon Elisha, even though Elisha was following Elijah. Elisha first put upon, upon him the, 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 the mantle of death, the mantle of discipleship. He put the mantle of discipleship so he had to die to himself and take on a new life. The life of his master. The life of a prophet. The life of Jesus. The life of God. Before, when he now go to the Jordan River and then the mantle of anointing, the mantle of miracles now came upon his head. Two mantles that came upon Elisha. And so any man that must receive the anointing must first of all receive the, the mantle of death before he receives the mantle of glory. The mantle of God does not just come on living vessels. No. It comes upon dead vessels. And you can only receive the mantle of glory if you have received the mantle of death. And this mantle of death is the mantle that came upon Jesus. It came upon Elisha. I want you to see the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. Let me read from um, verse 12. He said, Beloved, he said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. So God is bringing trials your way, and you are in Christ, and you are wondering, why is this thing happening to me? It is because the condition for carrying the anointing is integrity of art, is righteousness, is holiness. And there is no way God can be sure of this except by himself. Before he places the audacity to speak upon your life, he must first of all place death upon your life. He must first of all place death upon your, 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 your self-nature, your sin nature. He must first of all kill sin upon your life. He must first of all kill your, your, your selfish nature. He must first of all kill self within you. And so he must first of all give you the mantle of death. And to do that, he places trials upon you. And so it is telling you in verse 12 that if you begin to think it is strange, he said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is what? To try you. As though some strange thing. So it is meaning that if you are a Christian, this is not strange. You know, there are so many kind of uh, teachings and revelations out there now. And while most of the time some of these teachings may not be wrong, you need not to, 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 to downplay the reality of what the scripture is saying. 
the scripture is saying in this place now that even though most of these teachings are true, it is also true that when you experience trials, it does not mean that you are, un you are an unbeliever. When you experience trials in this place, he said, look at verse 12, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. It is not a strange thing. He said in, in, in the scriptures that if you are a Christian, you should expect persecution. You should expect persecution. Look at verse 13. He said, but rejoice. <laughs> When these trials come upon you, he said, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So there are two mantles here. There is the mantle of sufferings, the mantle of death. And then the second one, he said that when his glory shall be revealed, that's the mantle of the glory, the mantle of the anointing, when God is going to reveal it upon you. He said, ye may be glad, also with exceeding joy. Verse 14, he said, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. You should be happy. Why should you be happy? He said, then the spirit of glory, the anointing of glory, and of God rested upon you. I'm not the one that wrote this. This is First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Say for the spirit of glory. He's talking of suffering. The next thing he said, the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. Do you see that? So, if you're expecting the anointing, there is a connection. There are two mantles. The mantle of death to put you in position. So that when you have paid the price, then the mantle of the anointing will be released upon you. This is the only way to carry the anointing of God. You see, Jesus, even Jesus was uh, pushed into the wilderness. He was pushed into the wilderness. Bible said that he was dri driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. Let me look at the book of Luke chapter 4 so that I'll uh, be able to read this particular scripture for us. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, I'll read from verse 14. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 4. He said, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So, in Jordan, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. You see that? But even though the anointing of the Spirit came upon him, the Bible said that the anointing did not manifest until he was led into the spirit. He was led into the spirit into where? The wilderness. The wilderness is, the, is a place of dryness. The wilderness is the place of suffering. The wilderness is a place of terror. The wilderness is a place of death. The wilderness is where the mantle of death is mantled upon you. And then I want you to see what happens when he came out in verse 14 of the wilderness. The Bible says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. See, when you begin to carry the anointing, I remember those days, especially when I was in the wilderness, 
when I was experiencing uh, different forms of death and uh, uh, experiences by the Spirit of God. The devil was doing his own. God permitted the, the, the enemy to, 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 to try me, just like he tried Jesus in the wilderness. Then I will feel the power of God. I will feel the anointing of the Spirit. It was so strong. But it was not, it was not something I could convert into power. I did not know how it would manifest. I, didn't even, I did not even know what I carried. All I knew was the anointing was so strong. Sometimes it would be so strong, I would literally have to hug myself. The anointing was so strong. But it did not translate onto power. I did not know what I carry. Is it prophetic? Is it healing? Is it uh, teaching? Is it preaching? Is it? I didn't know. Can I move in word of wisdom? Can I move in word of knowledge? Can I see visions? Can I do this? I didn't know. But I was full of the Spirit. The anointing was just there. The electricity was just there. But then, after the wilderness, the anointing just came down and began to manifest. I returned, just like Jesus did in verse 14. He said, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I returned. So, first of all, I was full of the Spirit. Now I returned in the power of the Spirit. And it was after that that the fame of God now began, of because of the anointing, now began to spread. So, until you connect to the power Only then will God, only then will your fame begin to go around. So it's not just that you carry an anointing. It's not just that you carry giftings. No, you might carry a gift. And maybe you can sing well and there's anointing. You can um, prophesy, you can see visions and there's anointing. All that one is just giftings. You are just full of the Spirit. But there is something that happens when you subject yourself and you allow God to take you into the wilderness. You allow God to position you. And God takes away, you know, you, you know, before what you had is anointing for training. To you, it is anointing for destiny. You are manifesting, you can prophesy, you can see vision. But all those ones, I will tell you, they are just anointing for training. Anybody that started with God from scratch, you know, from young, especially as a youth, you will experience sometimes the anointing of God manifesting in those. Those are just anointings for training. They are not the actual anointing God wants to. They are not the anointing for destiny. But when you go through the wilderness, then God releases this anointing upon you. And this anointing will skyrocket you into fame or into the destiny that God has called you to become. It is this anointing that now takes you. So it is, it is, it is until you are true with the wilderness. So if possibly even for now, maybe you carry an anointing and you, you are like, you know, you didn't have to go through the wilderness. You didn't have to go through. Ask any man of God. I've done my due diligence. I've researched even abroad. This is the message you find abroad. I've gone to Asia. This is what is being preached. I've gone to, 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 to America. This is what is being preached. Every man of God knows that there is a period where God will take you into the wilderness, where God will build you, where God will kill you, where God will mantle you with death 
according to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that as death is working inside of you, the life of God, the righteousness of God is being worked out. And when God can now see this righteousness, then he will mantle you with the mantle of the anointed, the mantle of glory. It was after then, you know, verse 14, Jesus returning the power of the Spirit from the wilderness. Then when you now go down to verse 18, you see that Jesus is now able to say clearly, without uh, fear, He's not able to say in verse 18 that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. When did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? It was before the wilderness. The Bible says in verse 1 there, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it said it was full of the Holy Spirit. But that Spirit did not become power until he went into the wilderness. And when he came back from the wilderness, he said he returned in the power of the Spirit. Only then will Jesus dance in verse 18 that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel. Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon him? Because he had anointed me to preach the gospel. Like I said, the anointing of God is the audacity to preach the gospel. It's the audacity to speak for God. It's the audacity to cause men to listen to you when you speak. Look at what happened in verse 20. After that anointing came upon him, what happened? He said, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the ministers, minister and sat down. He said, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fasting on him. Do you see that? Everybody's eyes were fasting. They were listening to him. There was something about his speaking that was different. Why? The anointing was upon him. The audacity to speak for God. The audacity to speak for God. Tonight, God is bringing this to you. There is a life you must carry. Bible says, he said, because Jesus loved righteousness and ate iniquity. There is, a, there, is a, there is a template that the anointing can follow upon. Without that template, the anointing cannot survive. Because if the anointing should come upon a man that does not carry uh, that template, the anointing will come to destroy. Look at how many people that the anointing has destroyed. Look at Saul in the scripture, for example. As the anointing can lift a man up, the anointing too can destroy a man. The anointing can seduce you. The anointing can deceive you. And while you, while, 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 while you are, uh, while God is disgusted with your ways, as long as the anointing is operating, because the, the essence of the anointing is to confirm your message, you will think the anointing is confirming your character. And as you are falling out of grace with God, the anointing continues to remain. And you think that everything you do, God is stamping it. Meanwhile, God is against it. Until the day you enter into destruction, the anointing can seduce. 
And God is saying tonight that the condition for being able to release the anointing upon your life is that you carry the template of God. You allow yourself to be mantled with death <clears throat> through the trials, through sufferings. And when you have learned obedience and you have become perfect, then God will make you the author of the salvation of many. Then you can save souls. Then you can order many to the kingdom. Let me read conclusively the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> okay. Let me read from verse 9. <clears throat> he said, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. He was mantled with death. He said he was crowned with glory and honor. You see that? That look at how the dynamic between death and glory. Death and glory. He said that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So for everyone that God is going to be using you to bring into the kingdom of God, you must taste death for them. Look at verse 10. He said, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things talking about Jesus in bringing many sons unto glory in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So if you want to bring sons unto glory, you want to bring a revival and draw men to the kingdom of God. God is saying that he has to make you, who is the captain of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. And what kind of suffering? The suffering of death. God must bring you through a process of death. Through trials, through sufferings, to make you perfect, to make you established, to remove rubbish, all the rubbishes that, that, can, that can affect you, that can affect the future it wants to give you. All the rubbish that will not make your ministry or your calling or your destiny last. All the rubbish that will not allow God to be able to trust you. Ask yourself right now at this particular point, can God trust you? The way your life is going. I know you are righteous by faith. But that is by faith. The question God is now asking is this. Can he trust you? Can he trust you? Can he trust you? I want to quickly read something. Hebrews chapter 12. You know, many times um, <clears throat> we think that sufferings is not a message for uh, the church. Trials is not part of it, and that we are sons, and that God, no man will treat his son by wickedness. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like we are we are allowing the uh, Western culture to enter into our head, and we are not really understanding what the Scripture is saying. 
I think we should listen to the scripture much more than we listen to uh, the Western culture. Sometimes people in the Western culture can just impute their own feelings into the scripture. Maybe God is asking them to emphasize the prosperity or the new creation realities. And then because of that, you know, they try to explain some points and then we take some things they are saying out of context or we take it too far and forget that everything has balance in the scripture. Let me read Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 5 to us. He said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So, it and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So you see all the culture that is telling you that uh, uh, don't beat your child. He said, spear the rod, that's what the scriptures say, and spoil the child. He said, it is in the heart of the child that madness, you know, can be found. He said, it takes the rod of correction to chase out that uh, madness. It's in your Bible, it's in the scripture. It's in the scripture. So the, 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 the scripture encourages discipline. The scripture encourages discipline. And God is saying in verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. There is no proof that you are a son. There is no proof that God, there is nothing that can make God trust you to give you his anointing. He said Jesus had to learn obedience. Though he were his son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And because he was perfect, because the sufferings made him perfect, God could trust him. He became the author of eternal salvation. He said, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, he said, then are ye bastards? And not sons. You see that if ye be without chastisement, whereof every other person that calls themselves sons are partakers, then that means you are a bastard and not a son. A bastard means that you are not truly a son. You are from elsewhere, maybe from, from out of wedlock. You are not from God, maybe from somewhere else. Verse 9 Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. You see that? And we gave them reverence. We honored them despite it. He said, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Look at verse 10. He said, for they, very, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our own profit that we might become what? Partakers of his holiness. I submit to you today that you cannot carry the holiness of God without sufferings. So he said in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 that you love, because Jesus loved righteousness and hated iniquity, God put the anointing oil upon him. And he's now telling us that the only way in verse 10, Hebrews 12 verse 10, yeah, that the only way to carry his holiness, the only way to carry his holiness is what? 
to receive the chastening of the Lord. He said, For they verily for a few they chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Do you see that? So the only way a man can carry holiness is through sufferings. Without sufferings, you cannot carry the holiness of God. Without sufferings, you cannot be partakers of God's holiness. Verse 11, he said, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. It, that means it's going to pain you. He said, nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness. You have been looking for the way of righteousness. You have been looking for how you can carry a life of righteousness. You can be holy. You can please God. He said, it comes through chastening. He said, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know, most people want to confuse themselves. They talk about the difference between righteousness and holiness. Maybe there is a difference. But in verse 10 here, he said you will become particles of holiness. Verse 11 years, he calls it the fruit of righteousness. He said, unto them which are exercised thereby. So, look at verse 12. He said, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. So you say you are tired of the suffering, of the pain. Maybe it's not God. Verse 13, he said, And make straight paths for your feet, lest we, that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Verse 14 is where I'm going. He says, Follow peace with all men and holiness. Get holiness through this suffering. He said, Because without it no man shall see the Lord. That anointing you are looking for, you cannot see it until you carry the fruit of holiness. Because no, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. This is where I stop tonight. The price for the anointing. The price for the anointing. I hope the Lord has been able to open your eyes tonight. I hope the Lord has been able to open your eyes tonight. And you have been able to understand the mind of God. Father, we come tonight. It's not, it's not by our and by our might, by our capacity, is by your spirit. Lord, we ask that, Lord, you do your work upon our life. We surrender ourselves to your chest, to, to your chastening, to your sufferings, because we know that this is the only way you can make us perfect. We know that you are treating us as sons so that we can bear the fruit of holiness. We have come to realize that we cannot bear the fruit of holiness we cannot bear the fruit of righteousness except by sufferings. And until we bear this holiness, you said in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 that you cannot release the oil. You cannot receive the anointing. Lord, we ask that help us to cooperate with you to pay this price until this anointing is placed upon us. And your prophecy in the beginning 
help us so that we'll be able to connect with you, put ourselves in that place where we can be in position through the sufferings, through death. And when our lives carries this template of holiness and righteousness, the anointing will now be upon us. Thank you, mighty Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, everyone, once again for joining us tonight. Um, where I, I believe our lives have been touched tonight by the message. Forever and ever, we will last in God's agenda and in his kingdom in the name of Jesus. Good night, everyone. God bless us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.